everybody. Welcome to another episode of 10,000 Roads to Financial Independence. Today, I have Jenny Gu and Stephen Louie with me from Vertical Street Ventures. Um, they're both managing partners at um, Vertical Street Ventures, which is a step village to help individuals achieve their financial goals through passive investing in real estate, specifically multifamily currently. As founders, um, Jenny has currently oversee, is currently oversee asset management and investor relations. And Steve is a founder of Vertical Street uh, Ventures. And he's currently responsible for acquisition, sourcing capital, and building key strategy partners. So they both had a business background. They focused on business strategy, execution of business plans, uh, before worked in a corporation jobs and uh, moving to apartment uh, investing. And today, Vertical Street owns over 1,650 units across Arizona, Texas, and Georgia. Prior to becoming full-time operators investors, Jenny was a sales director as Procter and Gambles for 13 years, working on brands like Don, uh, Cascade, and Swiffer. Uh, she managed across function teams on top accounts, which includes Costco, Walmart, Targets, and more. Uh, and Steve had a, had a leadership, a sales leadership role at Mercer and MetLife. As a partner at Mercer, Stephen was uh, the Southern California office leader for Mercer Health, Wealth, Human Capital co uh, Consulting Practices. Prior to Mercer, which worked the 16 years as MetLife. Um, so both of them had an extensive corporation life before they kind of embarked on this less traveled world. Um, really great to have you guys on the show today. Thanks for having us. Thanks, Lisa. Awesome. Um, Steve and I kind of go way back. We know each other for like about five years or so. Um, in between there, we also had a, we also met Jenny through Steve. Uh, Steve, um, can you share, how did you and Jenny met? Yeah, no, it's, it's a great story. Um, uh, actually, I met Jenny through her husband. So I was speaking at a meetup uh, in Orange County, and uh, I was talking about uh, multifamily uh, home investing and going through a case study. And then uh, Jenny's husband, Ronnie, um, waited very patiently at the end, and we connected. And um, uh, like a, a lot of people, we, we connected for coffee and drinks afterwards. And then um, it was almost like a little bit of a bait and switch. So He's, he's, he told me all the things that he was doing and he goes, but hey, you need to meet my wife. She is dynamic. She's awesome. She's better than I am and everything. So I want you to meet her and she's getting it and she just uh, left her corporate job and she's uh, looking to get into uh, multifamily. They, they currently had a, a single family portfolio just like mm -hmm. I did. And so we connected extremely well there. And then uh, the connection was kind of made. Uh, Ronnie introduced Jenny over a, a dinner. And then from there, we started working very closely together in terms of our pursuit of uh, multifamily acquisitions. Yeah, that's awesome. And Jenny, as Steve kind of talked about over here, you quit your job in 2020. Did you just decide this is what I want to do? So I'm just going to go full heads into it. You know, what, what was the process or was it cause other issues, uh, not issue, but other you know, reasons or where you kind of quit your jobs and this is kind of what you stumbled on. Tell us a little bit about that story. Yeah. yeah, it's, you know, it's, I loved working for Procter & Gamble. It's an amazing company and I cherish, you know, all the time and experience I, get, I gained out of that. Um, but, you know, like many other of your listeners, I'm sure they, the, the need to have more flexibility and more time for you and your family, which just became so much more important when, um, you know, we learned that we needed to be home closer to our, my in-laws, Ronnie's parents, because, you know, they got 
sick. So just prioritizing more family time and the fact that because of our single family portfolio, that income can offset a chunk of my income. I made the decision, we made it together to focus on investing full time. It allows me more freedom. It allows me more time. I can go to my kids' events without feeling guilty. It just made sense for our family at that time. So it was kind of a, a no-brainer to do this. That's awesome. And so Steve, you're at some meetups. So presumably you were successful. Just kidding. Um, you were already successful at the time doing multifamily. You know, what kind of took you to interest? Because oftentimes it, like our new investors always talked about how do I get into a deal, right? Like we always tell them bring value first. Clearly in this case, Ronnie brought the value, which is his wife, uh, <laughs> Jenny into the play over here. But then like, is there anything like kind of special? How did you decide it? Like, hey, this is going to be a person who's going to help me accelerate what I'm doing over here. Yeah. Yeah. So I think we, if you, you take it back a little bit uh, as I was in my corporate career, so spent a long time in corporate America, mm-hmm. 25 plus years, about halfway through that career, I started, someone introduced me into real estate and that was single family homes, like I had mentioned. And those single family homes were great, built a portfolio of about 10 or so. And then at that point, I met somebody at a meetup and they introduced me to multifamily. Never thought I would even be able to even comprehend, you know, residential slash commercial real estate, uh, anything five plus. And at that stage, went to a mentoring program, we went to the same one and uh, kind of doubled down in multifamily investing. Mm. And then what I always say about multifamily investing, uh, single family, you can do it on your own. That's why they call it single. Multifamily, it takes a team. That's why it's multifamily. And so Mm. really takes a team effort of individuals to do that. And then through my corporate career, I kind of climbed the corporate ladder, spent a lot, you know, went from a cubicle all the way to a corner office. And so spent a lot of my time uh, coaching, mentoring, uh, being mentored as well, and really enjoyed that. And I was really good at uh, kind of identifying great talent. And so mm-hmm. you look at uh, Jenny and Ronnie, awesome talent. You, you, you kind of know it when you see it and the abilities are there. And right. so we spent probably about a year or so working on deals together. Mm-hmm. And that year, by the end of the year, uh, we achieved uh, two closes by the end of December. And so that's the power of a team and just looking at it, you know, Jenny and I have very complementary skill sets as well. Mm-hmm. So we, we both come from a pretty technical background as well as a strong business development or sales background. And so mm-hmm. combining the two of us together really made a lot of sense. And then that's where we co-founded uh, Vertical Street Ventures. Mm-hmm. Uh, so yeah. what is your strength, Steve? And what is Jenny's strength? Because you mentioned you guys have very complementary skill sets. And then I don't know if Jenny had a partners before, but I know Steve, you had a couple partners before. Um, you know, like how do you like pick the right partner? I, I think the first one was complementary skill sets. So <laughs> yeah, what, one of the great things is uh, we both uh, be coming from a business development background. We both know how to flex our styles extremely well. So even in meetings or even in the podcast here, we're pretty fluid in terms of you know helping each other out and uh, across the board where each of us need to, to kind of lie. I really enjoy the acquisition piece and the investor relation piece and, and raising mm-hmm. capital. That, that's something that I've, I've done extremely well. And then uh, Jenny is awesome at uh, not only that, that, but also the operations piece. And so we kind of just mm-hmm. found our grooves where we fit extremely well and 
that year of kind of working closely together um, right. helped help both of us grow. That's awesome. Yeah. One thing I'll add to that too is, you know, we all hear that find somebody that complements your skill sets or mm-hmm. makes up for what your gap is. But then also pe- what people don't talk about is the work style mm-hmm. as well. So make sure also whoever you have to build your team, you guys have like work styles too, because you can't have somebody that's operating at a two with somebody who's operating at a hundred, right? right? That's going to obviously cause a lot of conflict as well. So also make sure you guys have complementary and succinct work mm-hmm. styles too. Yeah, that's, that's very important. These are really great nuggets. Um, so it kind of teased into, you know, Steve, I know you have passed them about Jenny. Have you passed them investor before as well as like on the other side of fence, like being an LP before? Yeah. So um, I did everything backwards. Um, mm-hmm. So I quit before I even bought a single unit of a multifamily apartment. Um, and then I actually really in the same quarter invested passively and did my own syndications at the same time. Mm-hmm. Um, so yes, to answer your question, yes, I also am an LP for a couple of reasons to obviously get the passive income, but also mm-hmm. to keep a pulse on that market that I want to invest in and then also mm-hmm. continue to learn uh, what to do and what not to do from other operators as well. Yeah, it's a great vehicle for doing that. Um, and uh, so to that point, what do you look for to invest with a syndicator? What kind of characteristics do you look for in the syndicator? Is there a certain criteria? Can you share with our viewer who may be interested in doing passive investing? Um, we all talked about team is the most important, the people is the most important. Mm-hmm. So what do you look for as a syndicators? Judging other syndicators, so the bar must be really high. What do you look for? Yeah, you're right. I always tell our investors, you probably should be doing more due diligence on the sponsorship team than you are actually on the property itself, because all the numbers are very similar out there today, mm-hmm. all the returns. Um, so a couple things I look for, um, their track record, what have they gone full cycle, over the course of their, you know, existence. Um, I look for communication styles. So how proactive are they? How professional do they come across in mm. their communication to their investors? What do they include in their financial packets? Some, some syndicators only give you, you know, three pages of the right. monthly financial. We give the whole packet. So do others do the same? Mm-hmm. And then I also ask for references. So can you give me a referral to a current investor Obviously, if they don't want to share, that's a red flag. Yeah. Um, but when they do share, feel free to call them. And um, I call and ask and say, how's your experience so far? Have they mm-hmm. delivered on what they have proposed? If not, do they share why? If something goes wrong, is there an action plan? So all of those things, similar to, this is probably not the same example, but similar to, you know, hiring a babysitter, you know, yeah. or interviewing mm-hmm. for someone to join your team or company. What's that process? It should be the same for a sponsor. Yeah. Definitely. And then Steve, do you have anything else to add or do you have like a slightly different criteria than Jenny over here? You, you know, um, I've, uh, I'm invested in probably over 25 passive investments. So mm-hmm. um, the first ones, I, I think I invested uh, probably for the, uh, the word fear of missing out, right? So yeah. well, I have to get into this deal. And so I would get into my beginning uh, deal, my first uh, uh, limited partnership deals um, probably didn't go as well because I didn't vet out that sponsor. And so all the mm-hmm. things that Jenny mentioned are, are really important, um, you know, and where they kind of sit as well. So are they actually a lead sponsor or are they really a capital raiser on, on the back end? And so mm-hmm. that really is a, a big piece of 
where and when I would invest with somebody. You know, it's pretty basic. Do you know, like, and trust them? You hear that a lot. And that really uh, goes, goes to what Jenny had, had actually mentioned there because so many, so many syndicators, all of our deals do look very similar. Uh, it's just a matter of how well and how many deals they've gone full cycle and how well I trust the, that, that sponsor to kind of execute on. Yeah, absolutely. One more, at least I just thought of one more, not to knock on anybody who does this part-time, okay? Because we all have to start somewhere. But I always want to make sure at least somebody on the team is full-time syndicator, asset manager, whatever that role looks like. Because being in this myself, I know it takes, you know, it takes a lot of time, a lot of effort to manage a property. And so if the entire sponsorship team is part-time, meaning they have a full-time W-2 job or they're a doctor, you know, lawyer, et cetera, then mm. that's also probably a no-go for me. I want to make sure one, at least one person is full-time. Got it. And is there any, is there any projects you want to kind of tee it up, you know, not to beat around the bushes, but um, have you learned about, because you talked about the negative experience, the possible negative experience of passive investing, and et cetera, their projects maybe not returning as experience. The, first of all, have you lost money in syndication when you're passively investing? I personally have not lost any, from a limited partner's perspective, I've not to think lost about any, any money at all. Yeah. So uh, I've had uh, deals that have gone all the way to the 2.5X and I've had deals that just returned my actual capital. And uh, so the, the ones that probably returned my actual capital were much uh, newer syndicators to the universe. Mm -hmm. And so, like I said, I probably would um, probably steer away from even what Jenny said. Uh, the person needs to be uh, at least one person on the team should be full time. And um, you, ha you have to I, I wouldn't go with somebody. that It's their first rodeo uh, mm -hmm. if, if I had to do do it over again. And then, yeah. you know, I, when I first got into it, I also uh, jumped into quite a few different key principle or KPs. Mm -hmm. And um, those, I would also try to do them with uh, experienced sponsorship groups out there. I think it's mm -hmm. so important because even though you're a KP and signing on the loan, you still are a general partner and right. still responsible for all of the decisions that the general partnership makes. Yeah. And then if it doesn't go well, then uh, you kind of get stuck as well, along with the whole projects. Yeah, yes. Exactly. Um, yes. And what do you think about um, in terms of operation? What are some of the standard ways that you think at this cycle of the market, you can still add value to whether it's picking markets or picking products? What are you looking for when you are looking for a deal? No, that's a, that's a great question. So when we look for, for deals, our typical deal is we look for um, something that does have value add in it. So mm. something in the class B, B minus C plus area where there's true opportunity to improve on the property, create or force appreciation to overall impact uh, NOI positively. And then where there's opportunities uh, maybe somebody has owned the property for quite some time to control those expenses. And so mm -hmm. if you can improve the top line and help control those expenses through, um, through some of the property management uh, skill sets that we've kind of put into place really helps mm -hmm. uh, drive uh, our overall results. And so really looking for that type of property uh, out there. Yeah, that's awesome. Um, and then you mentioned before, uh, you know, in a short period of time, you were able to acquire quite a bit units, like starting with closing two deals in a year to closing, I don't know how many you guys closed last year. 
quite a bit of these and then also starting this year like you just kind of layer on top more and more so what do you think that key factor is to um, basically unlock the success over here because when, when we first all start you know we're kind of bending our heads on acquisitions and how do we make the deal work or how do I get a deal you know then it's like how do you raise the money this and that what do you think the key attribute like You've been growing exponentially is one of me. A lot of key components. I think the first thing um, that Jenny and I always talk about, it it, it does start with the acquisition, right? So mm. initially it's the acquisition and how we, uh, and it's really building those key strategic relationships with the brokers. And so I think some of us forget that it, this is more in, in multifamily residential. It is about relationship building. It's mm. the, the relationships you build with brokers really can transcend you to that next level. And I'll use my first uh, couple examples on that. You know, I, I took we took everything we learned and doubled down into the Phoenix marketplace. And uh, the, they saw that we came prepared. We had a real estate resume uh, on on uh, written, and then they looked at it and they said, "Okay, we have a deal. If you guys can close on this deal, mm. then great. Uh, we we can, you, we potentially will give you another deal." So we kind of we're all in. We closed on that deal halfway mm-hmm. through that deal as we were doing our rehab, they gave us another deal off market. And so those yes. deals truly do come off market. And then once but, you build that relationship, they know you can close and that, that ability to close gets you to that next level. But once you get those deals, you know, and like you said, we've closed, uh, I think nine deals last year. Yeah, A lot of it has to do with what uh, Jenny does on the operations side. And so mm-hmm. I'll let her touch a little bit on that operations piece, which is crucial to uh, driving results uh, for the, mm-hmm. for the company. Yeah. Yeah. You know, it's um, what I've told a lot of newer folks too in the industry is set up your systems and processes. Mm-hmm. So I am a huge advocate of not reworking anything. It just wastes time, money, effort, frustration. Um, so even though you're newer in the business, make sure you set up everything to look as if you're established. What do I mean mm-hmm. by that? It's a website, make sure your website is professional, even down to your email. Don't use a Gmail or Hotmail or, you know, Yahoo or whatever, right? Make sure it's like your company name type email address, mm-hmm. business cards, um, set up your brand. That's the kind of thing. I, I We have an academy too. We teach our, our students, you know, what are the four things you can do? You build your brand, you mm-hmm. build your team, you build your skill set, and you build your database. What are you continually doing to build those four things? And then from a system standpoint, I know it's hard to scrap together, you know, capital sometimes to invest in your business, but it's going to mm-hmm. pay out so much more in the long run. So invest in a professional CRM mm-hmm. versus Excel, right? right. Invest in um, something more professional, you know, uh, for your accounting, like QuickBooks or something more versus Excel. So the right. more that you can invest upfront, the more easier it is for you to accelerate without having bottlenecks along yeah. the way, right? So Yeah, that's awesome. Um, and then you mentioned you have 14 employees today and that when you guys met, there's only two of you or maybe two and a half because we got Ronnie as well. And uh, not to knock on him over there. Um, so how did you grow? Because when in the business world, when you're thinking about it, it's like two grow to 14. That's a 7x growth right there. Like a lot of people don't talk about value. We, we work in real estate. We always talk about multipliers on real estate. But mm-hmm. the biggest part is 
is an exciting piece to me was building the business. And there you can exponentially grow yourself and there's no limit to that. Um, so how did you go from, you know, a two person um, company to like now 14 people? You guys are putting on conferences, you know, mm-hmm. like you said, you have an academy, also uh, closing deals and et cetera. Yeah, we, uh, we have to plan for growth, right? So this is a, one of the things that, you know, corporate America teaches you. How do you, what is your sales target for the year? But then also mm-hmm. how do you build on that for years two, three, five, ten? 10, okay? Yeah. Um, so knowing, we didn't know what we didn't know, right? As a new startup, if you will, but we mm-hmm. knew we wanted to grow to a certain number. And when you're expecting that growth, you actually need to hire ahead of the need, Again, Mm -hmm. so to prevent any bottlenecks to happen that might actually slow you down. Mm -hmm. So we sit down, we meet monthly, in-person, full-day meetings to business strategize for that month to celebrate, of course, the wins that we have, Mm -hmm. but then also to plan for the next quarter, six months and 12 months. And we get down to the nitty gritty of even, okay, from a personnel standpoint, who do we have to hire in Q1, 2, 3, 4? And then we'll track that. So, you know, our first, we started actually with three. So we had Steve and I and an underwriter, and then we grew to add in actually Steve's wife, Rebecca, we added in um, a virtual assistant next because, oh my gosh, your mind gets blown with what the work that they can do and help us with. So a virtual assistant was next. Um, Ronnie actually retired back in October of last year. So he just joined in October and then we integrated another company. We brought in Kyle Mitchell from Limitless Estates into our company as well. So that brought in additional couple of people. Mm -hmm. Um, And then knowing that our portfolio is growing, we knew we had to hire an asset manager. Right. So as you're planning out your growth and your revenue coming in, map out who's the next few logical people that you need to make sure you're running your business and then still sleeping as well. So that's important. Um, So that's that's kind of the key key um, key thought behind there is just plan for your growth ahead of the need. That's awesome. So to that point, then, what do you see yourself in five years? Is there a long-term goal for your company? If so, what what is that? Or midterm, long-term, whatever that means, yeah. Yeah, so we, that's a great question. Um, it's hard to say because we, year one, we thought our goal was going to be 25 million of acquisitions, and we ended with 86 million of acquisitions. Nice. We're going to do almost that in the Q1 of 2022 already. So I would say, you know, if I had to put a number, we're going to be a billion dollar assets under management in five years. But Mm -hmm. at the same time, we also want to still pick and choose the right properties, the right investments. Mm -hmm. So I don't want to purchase this to purchase, but we just got to do it smartly. But if we had to peg a number in five years, this will be, you know, a billion dollar assets of management. Nice. And I'm assuming uh, Steve has the same goal, so I'm not going to ask him that question. <laughs> Just, I hope kidding. so. <laughs> no, we're, we're in sync. And so one of the things that Jenny had mentioned, too, is what corporate, corporate you know, everybody kind of puts down corporate America. But in corporate America, what do they make you do every single year? They make you put down goals. Yeah. And so Jenny and I put down goals on paper back in um, the, the December 1st of uh, 2020. We put down exactly what we wanted to accomplish in the next year, in the next two years, next three years. And so I think that's crucial for anybody that's starting out a business and wanting to get to that point. And then we, we, we laid it out. Hey, we're going to need some, somebody on the sales side. We're going to need somebody on investor relations. We're going to need somebody on the construction side. Mm-hmm. If you lay all those things out, 
and you visualize that throughout uh, throughout the quarter, throughout the months, those things will happen. And so I, I can't thank Corporate America enough, and I think Jenny as well, for the great skill sets that they've actually provided us to tra transform our business, uh, our small business that we're having here into where it is today. So. Yeah. It's amazing. So as you're kind of tracking your way to the $1 billion go, what are some of the next couple business moves that you want to look at, whether it's to clarify some criteria for buying, uh, working on a process or adding more sets of products to it? Yeah. yeah. Well, one of the great things that, uh, as Jenny just mentioned, corporate America teaches us is to goal set. And the things that we did, if I look back, the, the items that we kind of put together. We sat down at the end of uh, the beginning of, of December uh, 2020, and we really put down on paper exactly what we wanted to accomplish. And uh, the, the nice thing about it, uh, real estate is super flexible. But I, I think to your listeners, the key thing you want to do is set those goals. And once you, once you set those goals, they can all be accomplished. And look at them every, every quarter. Take a look at exactly what you want to accomplish. And then that big audacious goal doesn't seem that that audacious when when you actually kind of go through that and so that's the benefits of what corporate america kind of teaches us and then mm -hmm. for us really it's just expanding from where, where we're at we're really focused currently right now in multifamily mm -hmm. within the phoenix tucson and uh and texas marketplaces and then mm -hmm. from there continue to grow we have an academy that we also mm -hmm. have where we teach both uh, passive and active investors, how mm -hmm. to take their business to the next level. Everything mm -hmm. from the acquisition piece all the way through uh, disposition and especially the asset management piece uh, mm -hmm. uh, is included in that. And then, like I also mentioned, we do have a, a pretty strong finance team. I think that's crucial for any team. And that yep. finance team, they're both CPAs. And you know, the goal would maybe to be growing uh, from a tax perspective and, and adding value to our investors um, mm -hmm. uh, from a tax perspective. Yeah, that's amazing. That's awesome. You both have children. Steve's is probably a little bit older than Jenny's. Um, what are you teaching them today to help them to be financial literate? Yeah, I, uh, they're eight and six. Um, I will say I started giving them allowance and that didn't work because all they wanted to do was buy candy <laughs> with that money. Um, so I'm going to wait a little longer to teach them about the allowance piece, right? But mm. I do teach them about what we're doing from a real estate standpoint, believe it or not. So they mm. know kind of what we do. We buy apartments, we rent them out. That gives cash flow. Um, we bought the cash flow quadrant game for kids. They mm -hmm. love that game. They love Monopoly. So we're nice. integrating it where we can um, to make it still fun and enjoyable for them. But I want mm -hmm. them to, as we continue to, that education, um, introduce back money for them to actually learn how to handle. So that's more to come, but I'm open to ideas too, if you guys have any, <laughs> but right now I think we're going to wait another few years before we actually give them back money to, to manage themselves. Awesome. Yeah, and my what about you, are, Steve? My, yeah, my girls are a little bit older, so uh, they're both in college right now. And the neat thing about this is they're both in the, the on the business side of, of things. So my oldest is uh, working to be a CPA. And so she just got a job at PwC and she happened to fall in the real estate department I and she was working. She happens on, to. She, she happened to, to fall sure. right into that you know, <laughs> as one of her internships, uh, yeah. which was kind of, kind of neat. And so she actually asked me, hey, can we go through our taxes? So I went through 
the 300, 400 pages of taxes that we have these days and walk through each of the line items. She goes, oh, and she kind of, she actually understands how a K-1 works and how bonus depreciation mm-hmm. works and yeah. all those neat things. So kind of brings a sparkle to my eye when she's asking me about this. Oh, dad, didn't you know that you can take a, a accelerated depreciation here? And, yeah. uh, and, uh, and, and it's just kind of cool to see that. So uh, I think, you know, growing up in the, in, in the corporate environment, they've always saw, uh, saw me working and saw me uh, taking care of uh, things. And so they just had that kind of uh, acumen. My youngest is a pre-business major, um, kind of doesn't want to do anything, have anything to do really with the, with the mom and dad sometimes. But uh, end of the day, I think as, as they go through college, which I do believe is important from a discipline standpoint, right? So mm-hmm. it gives you the discipline of, of taking your game to that next level. Is it absolutely necessary? Absolutely not. But it mm-hmm. does give you that extra boost of discipline that you can get through and accomplish something. And so I'm a fan of education as well in multiple different ways. Uh, it doesn't mm-hmm. have to be necessarily at a four-year university. Um, yeah. So. Yeah. That makes sense. That's awesome. Thanks for sharing these wisdoms. Um, and how do we find out more about Vertical Street Ventures? Yeah, you can find us at verticalstreetventures.com. We are on all the social media platforms as well. Um, as Elisa mentioned earlier, we are also putting our first ever national conference to help spread the word about real estate investing. So that is on June 4th and 5th in Scottsdale, Arizona. And you can find more details about that at um, the website, bsvcon, uh, mm. bsvcon.com. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for your time today, Jenny and Steven. Uh, it's always a pleasure to chat with you. Absolutely. Thanks for having us. Yep. Awesome. Yep. And this wraps up another episode of 10,000 Roads to Financial Independence. And uh, if you like what we do, if you have someone in mind that you want us to interview, please put the comments below. And also, please subscribe to our YouTube channels and that we can use some help and support over there to grow our audience. Thank you so much. Logging off. Thank you.